0: what on earth am i here for what on earth am i here for what is my purpose so what is your purpose what on earth are you here for now that's a huge question and a huge topic and if we thought in the next 25 minutes we were going to answer every single part of that i don't think it's possible but what i do believe we can do is leave here with a reminder of what our purpose is and maybe for you for the first time you have a clear picture of Why are you on earth? And what is the purpose of your life? Did you all know that people have been asking this question for a long time? This isn't new to our generation. For centuries and centuries, since the beginning of time, people have been asking this question. What's the point? What's the purpose? What is this all about? You know, author and writer Mark Twain, he said this. He said, the two most important days of your life are the day that you were born and the day that you figure out why? The two most important days of your life are the day that you were born and the day that you figure out why. You know, Jim Carrey, another uh, well-known guy, a comedian and actor, in kind of an interview, he had this somber moment, this, this moment that uh, kind of just gravitated, people gravitated t- towards. And as the interviewer asked him questions, Jim Carrey said this. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and have everything they've ever dreamed of so that they can see that that's not the answer. And we see that interview from, from him, and we wonder, okay, what does he mean then? What is the answer? Uh, also, Tom Brady, y'all ever heard of Tom Brady? We're just coming off the, the Super Bowl. Are we happy without the Super Bowl win? Man's in here who are, are struggling, um, and we're praying for y'all. It, it, there's always next year, you know what I mean? There's always next year. Tom Brady said this in an interview on 60 Minutes after he won his third Super Bowl. He said, there's time when I'm not the person that I want to be. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, man, there's gotta be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it, I'm 27, and what else is there for me? The interviewer said this, said, what's the answer? And Tom Brady responded, he said, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. People have been asking this question for a long time. What on earth am I here for and what's my purpose? But I think just as many people who explore it, there's also people who aren't asking the question. Maybe you've never asked that question because you're, you're afraid and I understand that of what, what am I gonna find out? Or maybe you've not asked that question because you've just been caught up in the busyness of life. But that weighs people down. I really believe that when you don't know your purpose, it has a weight that sits on you. Have you ever been through something that was really difficult? And you didn't really understand how heavy it was until it was over. For me, one of the times that I think of was I was 18 years old, a freshman right here at Missouri State University. I walked on campus and immediate change was in my life, right? I had my friend group in high school, but then I came here and it was like everything changed. Social dynamics changed. I actually had to try in classes and manage my own schedule. Uh, There was all these different dynamics that were changing and it wasn't until I walked off of campus after my last final on a Thursday, that fall semester in December, I walked off and I was just like, I can breathe again. Like this, this feels good. I, I made it through that. I didn't realize how heavy it was at that point until I was done with it. And I've sat across the table from people and as I've seen their eyes light up, as they understand and know their purpose, it's as if a weight is lifted off of them. Because if you're, if you're on this campus, if you're in Springfield, people across the country and around our world, when you don't know your purpose, it sits on you and it weighs on you. We want to know the answer to this question. But the truth is there's a lot of people who are living for the wrong things. Or maybe the things that they think are going to fulfill them, but they come up short. What about money? I think of John D. Rockefeller, who's one of the greatest American entrepreneurs. Uh, He's one of the richest man's who have ever lived. And in an interview, someone once asked him, hey, how much money, John, how much money is gonna be enough? What was his response? Just one dollar more. Just one dollar more. That money couldn't satisfy him and give him purpose. What else do people live for? Fame, recognition. You know, how many followers is it going to be enough on Instagram where you feel a sense of purpose? How many followers on TikTok, subscribers on your YouTube channel until you have purpose? But as you listen to people who have that influence, right? People like Jim Carrey, they say, this isn't what it's all it's cracked up to be. There's more to life than this. What about health, wellness, and the way that you look? You know, if you could just get hot enough, right? If you could just look a certain way, if you could just get the right physique, then you'll be satisfied and people will pay attention to you and respect you. Or, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's not even as vain as that. Maybe it's more of, man, I wanna be healthy and, and, and feel well and that's not a bad thing to chase after. But the truth is, you know, I have a grandmother who lives in uh, Springfield, Missouri, who's in a nursing home. And when I go and visit her, It's one of the most sobering things every single time I go. That most people in there in the next three to five years will have passed away. You look at their bodies and their bodies are betraying them. And we don't think about it in young adulthood all the time, but our bodies are slowly decaying. I don't say that to be pessimistic, but to be realistic. None of us are going to beat death. Father time is undefeated. So if that's our purpose, right? Health, wealth, the way that we look... Like there's gotta be something more than that. I think there's people who live for no more noble purposes. You know, maybe if you could find that significant other and you could uh, start a relationship and you get married and you have children and you can live for your family and everything could be about your family. I'm, I'm a father of three children. I love my kids, I'm so thankful for my family. But you know what I can't control? I can't control everything that happens to my kids. I, w- I-, I would love to be there for my kids for their whole life. But there will come a day where I won't be. And I would love you know, to be able to protect them from things, and, but I can't control everything. So there's gotta be a purpose beyond just that, even though that's a good thing. There has to be purpose beyond that. What about just making a positive impact in the world? But you get to the point of, man, what happens after we die? What happens after we see death, right? What happens to the people? How can we help someone in our life when they pass away? What can we do for them? And so we ask these questions because there's got to be something greater out there. You know, in the book of Ecclesiastes, which is in the Bible, it actually says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that one of the things that God has etched into the heart of all people is eternity. Do you know why you long for something greater? Because you were created for it. You were created for it. And that's, that's the starting point of our conversation tonight. Is how you can have purpose. If you want purpose in your life, it starts right here. That God created you. Yes, you, me, every single person in here has been created by God. You know, Psalm 39, I wish we had time to break it all down and go through it. But in Psalm 39, it tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knitted us together in our mother's womb. That he delights elsewhere in scripture. He delights in every detail of our lives. That he has a plan and a purpose for us. And he wants a relationship with us. It's God who created us. And he's not a God who's distant and far off. But he's near. And he's close to you. And he wants a relationship with you. We believe that God created you on purpose and for a purpose. And that he loves you. And you know, kind of the flip side of that is, what if this is all just a result of random chemical reactions that have happened then i would ask this question why do we long for something more if we're just the result of some randomness and there's no purpose and point in it then why do we long for that why do we ask those questions i sit across from people a lot and i ask i ask them this hey why do you like even when a movie ends and it has a happy ending you don't want it to always be over like we don't we don't like endings because God has etched eternity into us into our hearts. He created us that way. And there's a God in heaven who loves you and who created you. And that's the starting point of purpose. To understand our purpose in life, we have to understand that there is a God who created us and loves us. And so we've got to ask these questions then, okay? If God loves us and wants a relationship with us, we talk about that in the church world a lot. And if you come on a Tuesday night, you hear that God wants a relationship with you. And maybe you're sitting there you're like, I want that. Well, how do I have a relationship with God? God is perfect and holy and good. God is perfect. He's holy and he's good. And one thing I know about me so well is that I have done things that have grieved God. Anything that you've done that is outside of the commands of God is sin. It's shortcoming. It's falling short of God's glorious standard. And what happens is, is sin comes in and it separates us from a perfect and holy and good God. And I, I feel like if we sat, if I, could, if I could go to coffee with every single person in here and sit across from you, you would say, yeah, I've done some things that were wrong. And you would probably acknowledge, yes, there's evil in the world. But God is perfect. He's holy. He's good. If he's good, doesn't he want a relationship with us? How does that happen? And what God did is he sent his son, Jesus, in order to bridge the gap so that we can have a relationship with him. And so we need to understand some things because we're we're talking big picture right now. And we're going to get more practical as we close of what purpose looks like in the day to day of our lives. But as we look big picture, we have to understand who is Jesus, right? Who is Jesus? There's no doubt when you look at historically evidence outside of the Bible that Jesus lived on this earth. There's without a doubt that Jesus lived on this earth. But what you have to come to terms with and what you have to decide is, is what the Bible says about Jesus true or not? And here's the way the Bible describes Jesus. It describes Jesus as the son of God, both fully man and fully God. How do you explain that? That's beyond my comprehension if I were to try and explain that. But I look at God's word and that's what it says. Fully man, fully God, that Jesus came to this earth he lived a life where he was hungry, where he was tired, where he slept. He had physical needs just like you and I did. But Jesus, as he was here and as he was on earth, he did these works and these miracles. As you read through the Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—they tell about the life of Jesus. I would—I would challenge you. I was just re- listening to Scripture the other day, and I was—I was listening uh, to the Bible, and I was just like blown away how in the Book of Mark. Jesus comes into a town and the whole town stops what they're doing to come and see Jesus because he's healing the sick. He's performing miracles that people were flocking to him. This is before constant communication that people were hearing this and they were going to see what is happening. Who is this man? Who is Jesus? He is a man who lives here. He performed miracles and even though he was perfect and holy and good and sinless that there was people that didn't like him. And in a couple minutes, we're going to read a passage out of the book of Matthew about some of those people who didn't like Jesus. And even though he was sinless, he was crucified on a cross, a payment for our sin. Because you know what sin causes? It causes a debt. And if you know anything about a debt, a debt has to be paid. How do you pay for a debt? You have It has to be paid for. It has to be accounted for. And we can't pay the price of our sin On our own. And that's why God's master plan since the beginning of time was a sin, a savior, and a rescuer in Jesus, his son, to die on a cross for the payment of our sins. That he bore all of that on the cross so that you and I could have a relationship with him. That he was crucified, murdered on a cross, buried in a tomb, rose three days later, appeared to his disciples, ascended into heaven, and now sits at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf. That's who Jesus is according to scripture. And so, as we look at that, we know we're created by God, and He wants a relationship with us, and that comes through Jesus. As we look at that and understand that, let's look at some words of Jesus. Of I think that give practical framework for how we can have purpose every single day of our lives. Let's read this together. It's Matthew. It'll be up on the screens. It's Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 39. And this religious leader, he comes to Jesus, and he asks him this question in an attempt to trick Jesus, in an attempt to stump Jesus. But Jesus responds and not only answers his question, but within his question, I think it paints a broad-stroke picture of how we can have purpose every single day in our lives. It says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you ask, how is that our purpose within this? We see two things that Jesus says. These are the greatest commandments. It is to love God and to love others. Love God and love others. How else, how else could we define that? Our purpose in life, your purpose when you wake up. This is something that, like I've I've known in my head, but as I apply it in my heart this week as I prepare, I've woken I've woken up in the morning. I've just thought, man, God, like my purpose is to know you and to make you known. My purpose is to know you and to make you known. My purpose is to love God and to love other people. So how do I love God? What does that practically look like? I'm married to my wife Emma, and I I, I love her, and uh, we have the status by the state of Missouri, that we are a married couple. We file taxes jointly, okay? And I'm looking forward to that tax return that's coming up soon as well. Um, we, we file taxes together. We are married. But it's not just that we're married. We are we're married, but we spend time with one another. How could I say that I love my wife and I never spend any time with her? I love my wife, so we spend time together. I get to know her. She gets to know me. There's this mutual connection. Let me tell you this. like God is interested in you. You might not know that. You might not think that. You might think of things you've done or whatever you're walking in here with. That God doesn't want anything to do with you. But you can't do anything to make God not love you. God loves you, and he wants to know you. He's already made that step towards you. And I would challenge you, how do you know God? You step towards him. You lean into him. And what we do, we talk about this all the time on Tuesday nights and on Sunday mornings at High Street, is we look at God's word. And we say, what does his word have to say? And that is a framework for our lives. It's It's our owner's manual, right? It's what tells us, how do we respond in situations? How are we to live our lives? How do we have meaning and purpose in our life? And so my challenge to you is this. You could come here, you could listen to me talk, right? And that's a thing that we do as believers is we gather together and that's important. But what I really want every single person in here to do is that you would read God's word on your own. Because this is just maybe a dose and a glimpse into what purpose is. But every day you can fill your mind with the truth of God's word. In John 8, 31, Jesus is talking, so we have to pay attention. He's talking to his disciples and he said, whoever abides in my word. What does that word abide mean? It means whoever lives in my word, stays in my word, eats my word, drinks my word, breathes my word. Like who's about my word? They're truly my disciples. And they will know what? They will know the truth and the truth will set them free. Some of y'all have things in here, struggles tonight that you've been trying to overcome on your own and you just can't seem to do it. You need the truth of God's word in your life to help you do what you cannot do on your own. That's what spiritual disciplines are. Something you can do that helps you to do something you cannot do on your own. That God uses these disciplines that we engage in. So one of my biggest encouragements is that you would explore what God's word has to say on your own. You know, up at Next Steps on the way out, if you're that that person, you're like, I don't know where to start. We actually have a reading plan in our Faith Basics Guide. It's a red book. And you can actually just walk through it. It's meant to be walked through with somebody. We would have someone on our team who would love to walk through that with you. But there's this reading plan. And it's a 90-day journey through the Gospels that we talked about, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where you can see the life of Jesus. You can see the plan of God unfold. But you've got to get into the Word. You can't know God's Word... Unless you're in it. You can't know God's word. You can't know God unless you're spending time with him. I think on the additional side of that is you can't fully know God if you're not spending time with other people who are searching and pursuing and seeking God. You got We call this community, right? We call it spending time in community. But what you've got to do is you've got to get around people who are headed in the same direction as you. It doesn't mean that you cut everybody else off who has a different view or different opinion, but if you're never spending time with people, and maybe tonight you're here and you're like, I need that. I need to jump into a group of people who are sitting around in the living room or at a coffee shop and studying the Word. That's why we do small groups. You've got to start doing life with people. That's one of the reasons why we have Young Adults on a Tuesday night, is so that you can come alongside other people who are pursuing the same things as you are. You've got to get with other people. You got to get with other people and you know the second piece of that is how do we um know others or how do we love others how do we love others how do we make god known and and the crazy thing is is like being here tonight is kind of a full circle moment for me because i remember moments when i was 18 years old here on campus at missouri state university i would come into the uh to the psu and i'd be hanging out here and i i'd It still smells like Subway bread in here all the time. It's baked into the walls at this point, I think. I don't think if they took the Subway out, it's going anywhere. Um,
1: But as I was
0: here, and as I would look in the mirror in the restroom or something, I just remember lacking so much confidence I didn't like the way I looked. I didn't think I looked old enough. I wasn't sure that I could ever lead people. I had uh, doubts about my faith and what I believed in. And I remember just how sobering that first year of college was for me. As I was like, God, I don't, I don't even know. I, I, I feel so unconfident in myself. How could you even use me? And then to be here at 32 years old is such a different experience. Because I've seen, as, as we sing about, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. As I look over the last several years of my life, I see the faithfulness of God. I see the way that he's grown me where I'm weak. I see that he's given me confidence. And yeah, I might not like this X, Y, or Z about me, but it doesn't matter because God created me on purpose and for a purpose. And I've seen how that's grown. And I've seen the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And I've spent time with people who have seen the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And so as, as we think about that, How do we make God known? Well, we take his word and we go and we tell. That's one of the reasons why we're here tonight is because we believe that it matters that we continue to tell the story of Jesus. And one of the saddest things that you could ever believe is that God can't use you. And there is an enemy in Satan who came to steal, to kill, and destroy. And he's the master of lies. And one of the biggest lies that he tells people is God can't use you. Think about what you did. Think about what you did last night. Think about what you did before you came. Think about what you did a year ago. God can't use you. You don't have any skills. You don't have any ability. You don't have anything to offer. You're too extroverted. You're too introverted. The lies are endless. I don't know what lie you believe in, but what, that's, that highlights the importance of getting in the truth and filling your mind with truth because you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And God has good things planned for you. We just finished up a series in Young Adults on Tuesday nights where we talked about work and the good works that God has prepared for us. And he's prepared good works for you. And we want that for you. I want that for you. And most importantly, God wants that for you. Every day when we wake up, we can have purpose in our lives because we can know God and we can make him known. We can love God and we can love other people. God could have just said, hey, when you're saved, when you have a relationship with me, you're just done here on earth. And that's the end of it. But he leaves us here. Why? To do the work that he has prepared in advance for us to do to do the work of ministry, to share the gospel, to share the good news, to be a home, to make a difference, to make a positive impact. See how all of those things that we talked about, you can you can have money. God's not against you having money. He can take that, and if you're viewing it and it's not the ultimate thing in your life, you can leverage that for the kingdom of God. If you have influence and you have uh, the ability to influence people and God has given you a platform, you can use that for the purposes of God. You can raise your family to know God, see all those things that we talked about. None of them are bad things inherently, but when they're the ultimate thing, they're going to fall short. They're going to fall short. And what an awesome opportunity we have to make God know. And kind of as I close here and we're going to, um, you know, here in a minute, I'm going to invite uh, the band to come back up. And uh, we're going to sing another song as, as we finish. But I want to tell this story that God put on my heart just as we prepare. And it's about uh, a friend of mine named Josh Pruitt. And I know Josh about as well as I know some of you, I've, I've spoken to him once in person, okay? Uh, but he feels like my friend. I call him my friend because as I talked to him on the phone, I heard his story about what God has done in his life. Josh was 13 years old when he smoked weed for the first time. At 14, he tried crystal meth for the first time. So this, this, this young man is starting to spiral. He had some things going on in his home life that led him to that. And he said by age 17, that was all his purpose was in life, was recreationally getting high. That was his purpose was for the next high, the next high, and the next high, and the next high. And he said from ages 17 to 39, 22 years of his life, that was why he existed. He committed 30 different felonies right here in southwest Missouri. He calls himself a five-time loser. That means he went to prison for the things that he had done on five different occasions. At one point, Josh was engaged and his fiance passed away in an accident. And he said his recreational drug use, which was actually controlling him and not so recreational anymore, that wasn't even his purpose. He said, I just didn't even want to live at that point. And so then what I wanted was I wanted to get high so that I could commit crime, so that ultimately the Springfield Police Department would have to kill me and I would be done with this. No purpose, no hope. He said at age 39, he went before, stood before a judge, and, and he stood before this judge, and they labeled him as a prior and persistent career criminal. A prior and persistent career criminal. And this judge said, hey, Josh, if I see you again, I'm going to make sure that you're locked up for a long time. I'm going to make sure that you're locked up for a long time. So Josh is is panicking. He's really trying to learn just how can I be sober. He's not necessarily, you know, focused on God. He's trying to learn how can I just get sober. And this was one of the craziest things that he said to me as I heard him tell a story. He said, I needed to integrate into society, but I didn't know how because I'd never even been a part of it. And so he heard about this ministry called Freeway Ministries right here in Springfield. He's like, man, I need help. And he went. And what happened was he not only learned about sober living and addiction, but what ultimately gave him freedom was that he learned about the truth of Jesus Christ. And Jesus came in and radically transformed and changed Josh's life. And suddenly he wasn't just living for addiction and he wasn't just living with no purpose, but he had a purpose. And God was coming in and this man who had spent 22 years of his life and wasting it. God had come in and he had saved him. And as I spoke to Josh with the emotion in his voice over the phone, I could tell he said, God didn't just save me. He healed me from all of the wasted years that I had spent pursuing addiction and things that didn't matter. And so Josh started going through this program and as he started to get clean, he had another court date coming up. But he had started to plug into a church. He had started to do what? Build community. And he went before the same judge one more time that said, hey, Josh, if I see you again, I'm going to lock you up for a long time. But he said, this time I had the church with me. He said, I had people in the very community. He's like, these are the people that I wronged. He's like, these are the very people that I stole from, that I committed crimes on, that I had been a nuisance in their community. And they came alongside me and showed up with me at this court day. And you know what that judge had on it? mercy, and grace. And Josh didn't serve another day in jail. And now Josh is a part of a church plant, or a part of a freeway ministries plant in Orlando, Florida, helping to rescue other people out of addiction, full of life, full of purpose. I wish that you could have had the conversation on the phone that I had with him. Because I just hear the passion in his voice. And I think, how could someone who spent 22 years in addiction have purpose? And the only answer is through the grace of God. Why do I tell that story? That's drastic. Maybe it's beyond what what some of us have experienced. Because it highlights the goodness of God. If someone who squandered and wasted 22 years, God can redeem. He can do that for any person in here. And in the same way that he stood before that judge, and that judge showed him grace and mercy, there is a God in heaven who is ready, willing, and able to show you grace and mercy for all the things you've done in your life wrong. And he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. We talk about it all the time. You admit that you're a sinner, that you believe in who Jesus says he is, and that you confess him as Lord of your life. What does that mean to confess him as Lord of your life? It means to give the authority saying, I'm not in charge of this anymore, but God, you're in charge of this life. And that's available to every single one of us. I've said this a lot lately, that God is not a God of confusion that he wants you to have clarity. And tonight could be a night where you can have clarity and you can have peace with God because of what Jesus has done on the cross, that you can leave here Whew. the way lifted because you know why you're here. And I would tell every person who's in here, some of what I just said is not new news to you, But that is a reminder of why we are here. That as you're out on campus, as you're at your workplace, as you're with your family, you can make God known. and that every day has meaning, and every day has value, and there is a God in heaven who loves you. Before the band comes up, I just want to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. We, you know, I I just never want to miss an opportunity in this venue here, Campus Night, Missouri State. I want to ask you, if, if you're like, hey, I want to glorify God in my life. I want to I love God, and I want to love other people. Will you show me? Put your hand up. You're like, I want that. I want to love God, and I want to love other people. Yeah, I see hands up all over the place. There's a lot of people here. I want to love God, and I want to love other people. We're praying that you do that. And maybe there's some people in here, I, I don't want to waste this opportunity. Of, you want clarity on your relationship with Jesus. You want to be 100%. If that's you tonight, and you just simply want to say, "I want Jesus," would you just put your hand in the air so I can pray for you? I see Hills hands. I want Jesus. I want a relationship with you. Yeah, just by showing hand, you're, you're acknowledging I want a relationship with Jesus. I want you to pray with me. God, I know I've made mistakes. I know I've sinned. I pray that you would forgive me. I don't want to do this on my own. But I want to live for you. God, I want a relationship with you. Amen.